Hi, this is Amy. I'm back. And rather than reading you an essay and talking about it, this is actually an essay I've already read to you before with my lovely co-author, Julie. So you can find the link in the description to uh, where I am reading this essay to you, which is a theory about Dark Star and that he's actually working for Duran. So we're going to be in Dorne today. Uh, and I also just want to say I'm going to be on Here Be Dragons November 22nd for I Know That Nerd. That'll be at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I will be interviewed by the wonderful Stephen Stark and talking about myself for two hours, which I love to do. Uh, also, I just became co-host of John Webster Film. So please check out that. I stream every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the links are in the description. And finally, I was on Voice of Geekdom to talk about his dark materials. And you get a little preview of my coming essay on Orientalism in the series, and that link is also in the description. But let me introduce my wonderful guest today, Julie. Hello, Hi. Julie. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on your channel today. Yeah, I'm so excited. We actually met through uh, History of Westeros chat, just yeah. live chatting, and you yeah. mentioned it was a Dorn chapter, and you mentioned, I think there's something up with Darkstar, and I think he's working for Duran. I was like, please at me about this. <laughs> like, I need to know everything um yeah. because i'm not really a theory person myself i mostly just do literary analysis but when i hear someone who i think is brilliant like you um you know come up with a, something very interesting that i've never heard before i get really excited and i did find a reddit post about this uh from a couple of years ago but they didn't really give that much detail so i was excited to write this with you uh and to kind of dig into it so I guess maybe the first thing we can talk about is what exactly is it about Darkstar and Duran that makes you think there's something more going on there other than just Duran being afraid of Darkstar, right? Yeah, I think there's so much. And I'm so glad that you suggested that idea in Valeria to like write this up. Um, because, you know, just as we were in that and they were talking about this um, uh, Feast for Crows chapter, it just really struck me that there has got to be more to this story between Darkstar and, and Dorian. It can't just be, you know, only what's written on the page. And I just got, you know, one of those sort of lightning bolts of inspiration where you're like, there's something else going on here. I can just feel it, but. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And we also make a lot of, uh, in the essay, we make a lot of comparisons with Varys, right? Varys is always, there is layers upon layers of what he's doing. And I think the fandom as a whole really underestimates Duran. They don't, they think he's a pawn and not a player. And we argue in our essay, he's actually a really smart player because people think he's a pawn. Right. Right. So he doesn't have the greatest reputation, right? And I think there's, there's some fairness to that um, criticism. Because, you know, even though we, you know, you know, of course, you know, we're big Prince Doran fans, right? And we think he is, you know, very strategic. Yay, go Doran. <laughs> but, you know, the fairness to that criticism is like, you know, he probably did way too long. He probably is too secretive. You know, he probably has missed his chance. You know, I mean, we, just from what we can see so far, his plots don't seem to be succeeding all that well, even though he's still got some eyes on the fire. But, um, you know, this idea that we have about Darkstar and Duran working together um, is just, you know, sort of one way for Doran to, to express and be a player rather than a pawn. And it, yeah. makes, it just makes so much sense to me that, you know, of course we're right, but 
<laughs> Duh. No, and a couple of things that, uh, and thank you to Girls Gone Canon who talked about this, uh, I believe in episode 99. Oh, don't at me about that. Uh, they were, it was during a, um, uh, when they were talking about Ario Hota and we were, they were talking about how they're not really sure if he would use people like this, but I love you, obviously, Chloe and Eliana. We're he both huge fans and uh, a, I'm a patron. I believe you are as well. Um, yeah. But what about Oberyn? Did he not use Oberyn kind of in this, what we call sword and shield in our essay, which is a lot of people in the fandom talk about where there's the sword like Oberyn who goes out and he's yelling to the top of his lungs, ah, justice for Elia. And then Doran is the shield. He's kind of like in the background, we yeah. think pulling the strings. So if he did it with Oberyn, his own brother, why would he not do it with some random guy he can throw under the bus later? Exactly, exactly. I completely agree. Um... And I think there are some, you know, we'll discuss this later, but there are some other relationship templates where this applies, right? So, you know, this exists elsewhere in the, uh, you know, Aesloth universe, right? Where there's this sword, sword and the shield relationship. So, um, you know, George likes, he sometimes creates a relationship template, right? And you stamp, stamps another one out and, you know, switches up a few, a few things that, um, happen, but to me, this just seems like a, a natural progression and a way for Doran to to be more of a player. We see that with magic itself, right? With the wargs, they they you know, Bran is literally sitting back and then making his wolf do things for him, right? I think yeah. that George is really interested in this idea of uh, if we want to go with symbolism. Um, uh, Bron Steries, who whose essays I really um, appreciate he's over at redmiceatplay.com with Archmaester Emma's essays they talk a lot about this green seer imagery of ha of having someone do the dirty work for you right we have the knight's king who has the army of the dead doing the dirty work right so why why por que no Duran? right why can't Duran be doing that uh I think I think we're meant to underestimate him I think George wants us to think that there's nothing going on down in Dorne right yeah. and it's the sand snakes right the sand snakes are very boisterous and loud about wanting yeah. revenge and I think that's all to make Duran look like he's helpless and not doing anything but that's not what we're arguing that that's not true right you think there's a lot a lot going on sort of underneath the surface right um between uh Duran and Darkstar um yeah absolutely I also think something that we talk about in the essay and that you and I have talked about uh, on the phone is uh, the most dangerous man in Dorne. It feels a little performative, does it not? It, it does, it does. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that most dangerous man in Dorne and I, um, I put down a couple thoughts that just sort of came to me as I was thinking about, you know, why is this a statement? Um, and then I listened to uh, one of Joe Magician's podcasts. He did a podcast, I think on, I think on House Dane and Darkstar and made a couple of good points that, you know, I learned from. But as I was thinking about this, you know, and just looking at what is actually in the text about Darkstar, because there's not much, right? It's, there's just not much there. Um, and, you know, he's pretty mysterious, but there is a lot of this sort of, dark day night black white you know imagery associated with him right he's got the dark angry eyes he's he even says himself you know men call me dark star i am of the night so he's you know sort of fully 
read into that, you know, day night imagery. And, yeah. um, you know, so that's what I think makes us sort of believe it when we hear the characters say he's the most dangerous man, man in Dorne. We're sort of primed to believe that, right? Because yeah. we all grew up watching probably some movie or science fiction where, you know, the villain is in a, you know, dark coat and a black hat and the good guy is in a white hat or white, or some version of that, right? So yeah. we are primed to like believe that when when they say I am of the night, well, that must mean you're evil. Right? Yeah, and uh, Bronze Darius has a good essay about the black yeah. and white imagery and I'm gonna write my own essay and have him on the channel probably around February. But uh, George actually flips this, white, the others is evil, black, the night's watch is good. So if he's of the night, yeah. Is that yeah. a bad thing necessarily? Dawn, right? You think about Rolor, the fiery god, but he's a god of destruction. Not a good thing. Fire cleanses, but it also destroys, right? So I think that George is wanting us to question this idea of dark and, and night being bad. So just to accept it wholeheartedly, I think is not what George wants us to do. And also I will just say, since I do uh, Eastern symbolism analysis, in uh in china korea and japan white is the color of death and black is the good color is the color of good so that in opera the bad guy has white face paint and the good guy back a uh, good guy has black face paint so that's a little bit of a preview for my upcoming black and white essay coming 2021 january ish so yeah way to hear that and i love that like i just learned something because i just it did not even occur to me about the knights watching the white walkers so i'm so glad to like know you and have you in my life <laughs> that's definitely all broad series though that's definitely his stuff uh but he but i think that george himself he wanted to flip the western idea of black and white but by doing that like with many things when you flip it from the western idea it becomes eastern so he actually perhaps unwittingly george is writing an asian story <laughs> um i'm sure you will tell us all about that <laughs> i will yes i'm definitely i'm really excited for that essay Absolutely. Um, so the other thing that I was thinking about, about this, like this idea of like uh, Darkstar being the most dangerous man in Dorne. And I started to think about like, you know, how, how often do we see that mentioned or like, where does that come from? Yeah. And, you know, I sort of played with the idea of like, well, you know, if someone like, uh, is that just like one popular person's opinion that just becomes you know, widely accepted, like if Oberon, because I think the original sort of seed for that idea, if I'm not mistaken, came from Oberon, Oberon said that he was the most, was the instigator of that statement. And if he was, and if, and if that was, he, you know, he's got, he's someone with gravitas, he's widely respected. So, you know, someone that well respected saying that it would be taken more believable rather than just like, one of the Fowler twins, right? Or, <laughs> or yeah. some random Dornish guy who's the yeah. most dangerous man in Dorn. Because yeah. we do see a couple of characters like describe him that way. I mean, you know, in the imagery, so Arian's like he's got dark, angry eyes. And then there's Damon Sand who says, you know, he also thinks that um, that Duran is dangerous. So more more than one person describes him that way. But I still think that the door is open for maybe it was just one person's opinion of Dark Star that described him that way, you know. But it, it, I guess it doesn't matter at the end of the day because that's how Doran describes him, and that's so that's 
Doran's perception of him. Um, so, you know, just based on what we know, I, I'm gonna, I'm accepting that as true, right? That he is dangerous. I'm accepting that as true. But what was interesting is um, I listened to, to that Joe Magician, uh, you know, podcast I mentioned earlier, and I had no idea that within the fandom that dark stars, you know, sometimes comical or, you know, people look at him like, you know, he, he's just not a serious character. He's like got a comical bent. And part of the reason I think is because of the like failed kill attempt, you know, yeah. you know, and then I thought about that some more. And I was, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, that makes sense, right? But for us, for our essay, like, couldn't you see, like, some backroom dealing with, like, Doran and Dark Stars to go kill Marcella, and then, you know, um, and they're going to think it's easy, right? Because yeah. it's, it's killing a kid, you know, it, who's going to be in the middle of nowhere, right? It, literally in the sands, in the middle of nowhere. So um, I get why he's got kind of a kind of a comical um, reputation, but um, I, I'm going to choose to like take it as face value, right? That he is yeah. the most important. And I think he's also a product of the, the five-year gap being scrapped. So he was not created in George's mind until no. much later. So uh, I think that he are, George already had a lot of these ideas of um, you know, the master and then the uh, servant that goes and does your dirty work, these kinds of tropes were already there, which we're going to talk about next. Um, but also, I did want to say something else that Chloe and Ileana mentioned when they were discussing our essay. Once again, thank you, Girls Gone Canon. Uh, they had mentioned, oh, Duran wouldn't order a child dead. And yeah, Duran does, you know, he does seem to be a very virtuous man. You know, his sister was killed, her children were killed, and he mourns for them. But at the same time, I think we also need to remember he's a sick man. He doesn't know how long he's going to be around. His gout is getting worse and that he could be becoming desperate so much so that he is kind of letting go of these morals in order to have a means to an end, right? He sees, and something we talk about in the essay is with Marcella gone, he doesn't owe the Iron Throne anything, right? right. He now can uh, betroth uh, Ariane to um, to young Griff, and then also who knows betroth Tristane to Danny, and just play both sides of the possible of the Targ kind of uh, you know coalition. So he he would be freed up to do a lot of things, and it would cost one child's life absolutely. But I think people give Duran a lot of credit that maybe we shouldn't be. And this is I think George wants us to underestimate Duran, and that's something that we very consciously did in this essay was give him maybe even more credit than the vast majority of people in the in the fandom do. And I think it makes sense. I mean, you know, um, he he was really too secretive for too long, right? So makes sense that now he's, you know, maybe getting towards the end of his life and is more desperate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an old trope, like, you know, you take out the heirs of whatever throne you're trying to, you know, weaken, conquer, what have you. Um, that idea has been out there for a long time, right? It's a pretty common way to um, destabilize whatever regency you're trying to destabilize, you know, so killing Marcella is removing, you know, uh, you know, one more peg from that ladder. So I think it, it, it makes sense. 
Um, and you know, Tywin said that uh, that Robert needed the Targaryen children dead, but wouldn't have done it himself. So Tywin uh, had his dog, the Mountain, do it, right? Yeah. So yeah. why wouldn't Duran have his own dog, right? And and uh, meaning uh, Darkstar, which and if you want to, Julie, we can now um, kind of talk about these these this trope of the short sword and the shield, uh, unless you had something else to say on this point. I was just gonna, um, I was just gonna mention that some of the other, you know, reasons why um, Darkstar is sort of viewed as dangerous. Um, when I thought about the actual sort of, you know, stabbing of, of Marcella, um, you know, he, if he didn't have it in mind beforehand, right, or hadn't talked to, to Doran ahead of time, you know, he's basically, he's gone to this middle of nowhere, right, in the middle of the desert with Ariane and her friends. And then sort of as Arius is, you know, making his stupid decision to charge area into area Hota's act, he's, he makes the decision to, you know, draw his sword go forward with his, you know, with his horse, right? And then take that sort of swipe at, at Marcella. So I guess my only, my point there that, you know, is that he could have like gotten off that path a couple of different times, even if he did all that quickly, even if that happened in seconds, he could have, you know, do I really want to draw this sword? You know, I'm really like now rushing forward with it. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it was, you know, battle fever, but it doesn't seem like it. It seemed like, you know, he was really intent on doing that and just was waiting know, for his opening. Was waiting for an opening. I was going to say like the right moment, but it really wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the right moment, right? I mean, the battle, like, you know, Area Hocha, they, you're surrounded, you know, give it yeah. up. It wasn't, it wasn't the right moment. So it just, thinking about the logistics of that why didn't he just you know he could have just called it a day you know yeah and i think something that we we make as a point in our essay is why would darkstar attack marcella in front of all those people like he knows he was going down he might but unless he had been promised protection gee who could protect people in dorne and there's no one above them the prince of dorne right exactly. Um, and also, I was just going to make a point about the comedic thing. Uh, I think a lot of the kind of comedic, and I also found him kind of comical when I first read, and it's kind of because this is an old white guy's idea of a bad boy stereotype, and it does come off a little awkward sometimes. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Darkstar was so late in George's uh kind of writing and his idea of the world. And so I think he does lack a lot of development uh, in a lot of ways. I wish we, and I wish we had more, you know, because it, I, I don't know if it's just like the page time that he, I'm going to say doesn't have, because, you know, um, Oberon, right? I, I don't think there's any um, digression from the fact that he was the red viper and you know was like well established and he had years and years of being known as that to to you know get that reputation dark stars you know pretty recent and there's just not a lot known about him which i actually think you know um could be good for him and for his end game which i know we're going to talk about later yeah um, 
I know we're going to talk about sort of like, you know, what, what's going to happen, our ideas on like, where does this go next? But, you know, as I was thinking about uh, his lack of reputation, right? He, I, I don't even think he's known outside of Dorn, right? No one really knows who he is outside of, that we know of, right? Outside of Dorn. So, I mean, in terms of like, you know, his end game and where he can, ends up, I mean, he's pretty striking looking, right? Yes. His is, or his hair is very specific. You know, yeah. all, I love all the art. They have like that super white, you know, streak as he's described. So he just, he needs some, some of that Tyro's hair dye. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and shout out also shout out to San Rixian who has a lot of dark star thirst and she does regular, <laughs> um, uh, uh, renditions of him. And he always is very hot. Uh, and I appreciate it as someone who has a little bit of dark star thirst herself. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he, he also, like you were saying is, is kind of local, locally known, right? So that if you wanted someone to do your dirty work, in this case, Duran, you could pick someone that could probably escape to one of the other seven kingdoms and disappear, essentially. Good, yeah, yeah. Need some hair dye, but could, could definitely disappear. Yeah. You could um, go with a cell sword, you know, couldn't you see the Tattered Prince or the Golden Company, you know, picking him up pretty easy? Yeah. Yeah. And I think making him a Dane is also an interesting choice. And there are all of these theories about how he might steal Dawn or he might uh, earn Dawn even. So there's also a question of, is he gonna get the big magical sword somehow, uh, you know, through good or bad means. And there, he does have a quote where he says, you know, if I were to, um, you know, do great in battle and, you know, kill all these enemies, I could be the sword of the morning. So there might be a little foreshadowing of what exactly does Dark Star want? Because he makes it out like he's just here to like be a rebel and you know kick the jukebox, you know, um, rebel without a cause kind of thing. But I think he has a cause. I think there's something going on there. Um, but we'll get to that. Let's let's talk a little bit about this this trope of the sword and the shield. So maybe the, a good place to start is something we've I already mentioned, which is Tywin uh, and the mountain, right? Yeah. So, go ahead. So yeah, I mean, you know. It takes it takes years, right? Oberyn and Oberyn and uh, Doran, you know, ostensibly spent years, right, setting that sort of sh sword shield, which is kind of tough to say, that <laughs> relationship up, right? Um, and you know, like we said earlier, that that seems to be a relationship sort of template that gets played with, you know, in other places. Um, I mean, I think Tywin and Gregor is, is a, you know, the biggest example of that or the most sort of scalable, largest, right? Um, you know, Gregor was unapologetically out front. It was, the, you know, it was the thinnest of thin paper shields for Tywin, right? I mean, even Ned Stark, who wasn't super politically savvy, was like, okay, that's, that's your bannerman. I'm going to make you answer for, you know, Lord Tywin's going to have to answer for the actions of his bannermen, right, way back in book one. So, um, yeah, I mean, in the killing of of Elia's children, you know, it gives the thinnest of ways to to deny that relationship. But, um, you know, Peter, even Peter Baelish and like Lynn Cobray, you know, I think is another example 
not quite as explosive as Tywin Gregor, right? But, um, you know, still they're, you know, outwardly disagreeing, right? Yeah. But secretly working together. Yeah, this kind of secretly in cahoots. And I think that it's also, it's a kind of a scale of obvious, whether how obvious it is. And so I would put um, the Tywin and Mountain, you know, kind of over here. And then these others are a little bit in the middle, not quite as obvious. Another example, we make a lot of uh, varies Duran uh, kind of parallels. Uh, varies as little birds it's the same thing he the, the birds are go out and do the work and then varies is the puppet master right there's also this idea of who is holding the puppet strings right and when i did my essay on Tyrion, he's accused by the small folk of being a little demon monkey who's pulling the puppet strings um so definitely check out my first ever essay that i did which is about uh Tyrion and monkey imagery so there's a question of the small folk are always obsessed with who's really ruling in King's Landing, right? When Ares was ruling, it was actually Tywin who was pulling the strings, right? So I think George has a, is doing a lot with this imagery. I think I think he is, and you know that's. Um, I, I think the only thing that I slightly disagree with is you know Dark Sir still has agency, right? He can still like make his own decisions, right? Maybe that's one of the, you know, so maybe he's like an unstable puppet or proxy in this case, but. Yeah, definitely. Something all are, right? Like even Gregor, you know, and even, you know, Lynn, Lynn Corbury, they're not all just gonna, you know, only do what their um, leaders or their shields in this case, tell them to do, right? They're gonna, they're gonna act on their own and act in their own best interest and do other things as well, right? Yeah. Like, like the kettle black, like the kettle blacks. I always, I always, I thought it was kettle back for the longest time, so I have a yeah. hard time. But then I realized, oh, it's George doing his pun thing called the kettle black. Uh, another example of Littlefinger, Peter, right? He also has Dantos Hollard as his um, going out to give Sansa uh, unknowing to, unknowingly to her, but giving her the poison that then kills uh, Joffrey. So we we have this. I mean, it's everywhere in the story. So what we're basically like the TLDR of all of this, if I could say it, is that why not Duran? Why can't he be doing this when all of these other characters are doing it, right? And I think it really, so it really hit me, you know, back when we were in that Valerie Redis. And I remember, um, you know, Aziz and Ashea talking about um, Duran. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so obvious. To, like, it just struck me. It was like, I totally believe I would have sworn on any religious book or Bible. I'm like, Duran is hiding Dark Star. It's yes. Just, it just made so much sense to me that he would be um you know doing that um and i think partly you know driven by what we've just said about the the history and the and the multiple other examples in the book of that forge shield relationship um you know and that also others wanted marcella dead right it wasn't just dark star even tyene mentioned it so other people had that thought in their head. And even if Arian at the time wasn't, you know, ready to like acquiesce. Yeah. Um, you know, Doran, Doran and Darks are sort of hatching that plan behind the scenes. 
I think represents what would be on would be an obvious move to like other players right like we said before that you know um getting rid of one layer of the next um generation right yeah yeah and I think this actually we could then put a spin on this very often quoted in the seer in the fandom of this to crown her is to kill her everyone says oh because it makes her a target what if to crown her is to kill her literally means Duran will want her dead. I mean, what if it's even more specific, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and that with she's crowned, right? And all, all of this going on, then that they're kind of challenging the Iron Throne in a way that he's not ready for. He's ready to challenge them through the Targaryen heritage, yeah. not through the Lannister heritage. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want the this uh, taking the throne via the the power of the lion which is unstable even though they're rich and well known and feared um they i mean i'm a targ loyalist so this is obviously coming from me but i think that if especially if danny comes with her three dragons and is like hey i've got the name and these dragons i mean that's where i would put my money um yeah. not the lannisters who have you know are crippled from the war of the five kings they're in debt to the iron bank they're not in the strongest position so to crown her is to kill her could mean to crown her means man i gotta get rid of her <laughs> you Maybe. know yeah so i don't know this is just i'm spitballing here uh <laughs> i mean but it, it's kind of an interesting idea because you know you might have a point because but because it failed like it was a i mean that's a bit it was an epic fail right yeah, that's an, that's an epic fail, and like you can see, like you can when when I, every time I read that chapter of you know, um, uh, I think it's the Princess in the Tower chapter where it's just like holy shit, you know, we got to fix this, and it just seems like you know, and I sort of you know uh, took like you know uh, Doran's actions while like Arianne was in the tower waiting, right. I think is to, you know, kind of get his ducks in a row and try and clean this up because it is a, it's an epic fail. Um, and, you know, at the time Doran says, you know, there's no lie to save Doran from the queen's raw if her daughter should perish whilst in my care. But then I thought, does that mean that the truth will save Doran? Like yeah. if his own dark star really just, are yeah. they covered right i mean I, that was sort of like our original in our essay like one of our original thoughts was you know they're just it is an option to just pin all the blame on dark star and thank goodness that you know they've gotten marcella to sing the song of you know dark star killed uh aries oakheart you know because yeah. that's and he's saying whilst in my care, but she was taken away from his care and taken out into the desert, right? So Duran can say, hey man, it was out of my hands. I was back in Sunspear and she should have been safe with me, but then my daughter went rogue. And one of the main arguments we make in the essay too is if Duran is keeping stuff from his own daughter, his own heir, then, and Ario, Hota, we only get two POVs down in Dorne other than Ari's, which is Ario Hota, his servant, and then, you know, his his protector, and then his own daughter, and neither of them know what Duran's doing. So what makes you think that, like, that he's he's not doing all of this, you know, with with Darkstar? Right. You know, I that mean, there's just an assumption that he's, he's just sitting there 
a bitter old man who wishes he could do something and has waited too long, maybe he's are, I mean, he's already put Quentin into motion, poor, poor Quentin, <laughs> uh, right? He's already sent Quentin out to go try and marry Dar Danny. Yeah. So what, you think that's the only thing he's doing? I think that's it's too simplistic for Georgia's series that Duran only did this one thing, which is send off his son. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, at this point, maybe he's looking back, you know, especially after after the conversation with Ariane, you know, where I feel like they had a, they finally got to have a heart to heart, you know, because when you read like her, her POVs, you know, she just, her formative years were formed by this idea that like, my father is trying to deny me my birthright, right? And he's sending, you know, he's giving me all these old men to try and marry, you know? So um, that's a big miscommunication on Doran's part, right? Like that's, you are really missing the mark there. You know what I mean? And that's really something that can be cleared up with one conversation, but Duran keeps his card so close to his chest that it bites him in the butt every time. Yes. And so, you know, maybe at this point, he's just realized that, you know, that way wasn't working. Let's try, let's try something else. I, you know, I think that, I think there's a case to be made for that. Um, um, so I don't know if you read like other things, but I recently read Rebecca. I, I didn't think I've heard of it. Is that, is that a Stephen? No, no, I'm thinking yeah. of something else. Jackie DeMaurier book. It's kind of a classic, but the character in that book is like under the assumption that um, her new husband is still in love with his wife that died. Mm. And for like three quarters of the book, she's miserable in her marriage because she thinks that she'll never compare. Turns out he actually killed his old wife because he was still miserable with her. But, <laughs> spoiler yeah. alert. That's awesome. Not spoiler. But <laughs> Arianne, yeah, yeah. Arianne sort of reminds me of that a little bit because she just had the absolute wrong understanding of you know what her father's plans were for her life um and it's just it's it's just done them no favors you know it just done except for nobody knows what what's up yeah i think it's a very common trope to uh think one thing particularly about your parents or someone you're close to like in this in this case a husband and then find out later it's actually the opposite like everyone knows harry potter right he thought he was a poor orphan all of a sudden he's a rich you know kid who his parents really cared about and he's also the chosen one and super powerful right so uh so there there are all of these kinds of uh what what the the POVs that we get are not what's happening, right? Like that happens all the time, right? We yeah. get from Catelyn's point of view that she thinks all of her sons are dead except for Rob. And unfortunately Rob ends up being after a couple of chapters after that, the only one that is actually dead. So we can't trust Ariane or Ario to know what Duran is thinking. And I think George I is intentionally doesn't give us a Duran POV because he's got some stuff going on. I wish we had it. I would love a Dorian POV. Um, I mean, it's funny because as you think about how, as, you know, how secretive he was, right? Um, I do think he was too secretive. He was over the line. But, you know, thinking about his relationship with Ariane and like what he chose to not tell her, especially about Darkstar, um, 
you know, he was really trying to convince Ariane, like, don't don't work with Dark Dark Star, right? Yeah. But I think that he realized or knew enough because she like she admits, right, when their conversation, she's like, I was a bed with you know, you don't want to know what I was doing. I was a bed with the Fowler twins. So, you know, um, he probably realizes that she likes a, a pretty face or a pretty, you know, a pretty guy and she's, you know, comfortable and open with her, you know, sexuality. And um, so he probably, he looks at Dark Star too. He's got to know that she would be vulnerable to him in that way, right? Yeah. He even know that they, you know, hooked up a few times in the past, yeah. right? And so, you know, and frankly, just, just, just be a guy with a, you know, sort of older teenage girl as a daughter and, um, you know, want to, want to keep them apart or not want them to get like too close. Um, so I, I can understand him from that perspective, like him not wanting to, uh, have her, um, interact so much, um, so he might he might know his daughter at least that part of her right or or sense her weaknesses there um you know but i think in our essay we thought you know one point that we made was um he 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 just wants to be able to control this relationship between him and dark star he's laying all these plans he basically doesn't want Ariane to like interfere with what they have going on. Yeah, he right? doesn't want her to screw it up. And I think what's interesting about Ariane is she's the old, oldest of these women that we get. I think she's 22 or 23. And yet you have Danny over there, 14 across the narrow sea. And yeah. she's already, you know, um, been married off and, and, and raped, by the way, that thing with Drogo was rape. It may have turned into a consensual relationship, but it wasn't at first. I will die on this hill. Anyway, um, so we already have... Our, uh, we have it's so weird because Dan Ariane is older than Danny but acts much more like a kid than Danny does in so many ways and I think that Duran thinks that Ariane has a long way to go before she's ready to be the princess of Dorne and you notice when he puts her in the tower he gives her all of this reading and what Savas what is Savas about strategy so if he likes Savas and Tyrion likes Savas like what, why do you think that Tyrion is this great schemer, but then Duran's an idiot, right? He's, he's supposedly very into Savas and which is all about strategy. So why would Duran not also be a character like how everyone praises Tyrion smarts, but they act like Duran is, is you know, so dumb. And I, I don't think that's what George is telling us with these scenes where he tells her, did you read this book? Did you, have you practiced Savas, right? Like, don't come to me until you've until you've read the history of our of our land, right? And you understand what being Dornish is all about. And I don't know about you, um, Julie, but the Dorn is actually my favorite kingdom, which is why I was so mad when the show was like, forget that. Oh, women of color who who have agency, nah, we'll just keep giving you more white women that are you know are victims. It's like, no, Dorn is awesome. Uh, but Dorn is is my favorite kingdom, and so. I, I really pay attention to these little details in these Dornish chapters, um, like him giving her these thing in the tower. And one detail that I've, I'm very proud of that I found when we were writing the essay was whenever the crew was, you know, the, the gang was going with Marcella out in the desert, um, they're all, uh, they're, it's like the night before, a couple of nights before uh, Marcella ends up getting becoming maimed and they're all drinking 
except for Darkstar who has lemon water. And Darkstar doesn't, doesn't really strike me as a teetotaler. So why all of a sudden is he not drinking like a, and partying like a good Dornishman, right? Is it because he has something to do the next day? Hmm. I have to, I have to murder a child. I don't, I don't, don't want to be hung over for it. <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah. Which to give you a little behind the scenes, I'm a little hung over today because I was <laughs> drinking margaritas and working on an essay last night. So you know how it is, but Hey, I'm able to do this, but I would not be able to uh, try and, you know, uh, enact a murder plot today because of my hangover. So yeah, you have this, he's wanting to stay sharp the next day. And if it was just normal going with the gang, he didn't know it was gonna happen tomorrow, then, mm. and there's also this question of who told. And Ariane thinks it's Darkstar and we agree and are kind of surprised that the, the fandom keeps looking for other people who told about the plot. I think he reported straight to Duran. Like girlfriend, you know, Ariane and her girlfriend group, they seem pretty tight, right? They do. Girl, yeah. girlfriends don't squeal. <laughs> snitches get stitches, right? You know, it's always the it's always the guy on the side, right? Your 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 occasional hookup that will <laughs> that'll throw you under the bus. Yeah, I think that. But if if which I do think our uh, theory is correct that Darkstar is working for Duran, the second he heard about that plot, he's like. Yeah, Ariane, I'm totally there. And then boop, 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 boop. Hey, Duran, I heard this from Ariane. Like, let's make some plans, he right? He gets day early. He's there before anyone, anybody else, right? He's like not drinking. It just seems like he had, you know, something else in mind. And, you know, I just, I just don't think he would do that without, you know, an exit strategy in terms of, you know, a tacit either approval or orders from Doran to do it. I just, there's, you know, you can be the most dangerous man, but doesn't necessarily mean you're the, the stupidest, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, just, I really want like the, the commercials of the, the most interesting man of the Dos Equis commercial, but with Dark Stars like, I'm the most dangerous man in Doran. Stay thirsty, my friends, <laughs> with lemon water. Um, <laughs> But I think also another thing we talk about in the essay that I think is really, I think, an amazing contribution to the fandom, <laughs> pat ourselves on the back, um, <laughs> is that he, okay, so Darkstar is in the wind and Duran doesn't know where he is, right? And he sends Obara and Balon Swan to High Hermitage. Why in the heck would he go home where the first place people would look? I think Duran is sending them on a wild goose chase. He knows exactly where Darkstar is. I, I mean, I think that is entirely possible that they knew exactly where he is and that um, this is just a plot to either, you know, either waste Balon Swan's time, right? Which get get this guy out of the way, right? I think is, is legitimate because um, it still keeps the Kingsguard out of King's Landing. Or, or just outright, you know, uh, plan to kill him. I mean, yeah. Obara is, is she's a tough lady, right? Like she was not intimidated by Area Hota. It didn't seem like it in the books, right? In that Watcher chapter, she did not seem to be intimidated, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's possible that Balon Swan doesn't come back or, um, yeah, and I don't know that he's in 
high hermitage though. Yeah, I don't think he is either. I and that's and that's kind of my point is that you know, okay, you go and like murder someone or attempt to murder someone and then you just go home. Like that's not that's the first place people are going to look. So we argue in the essay that he is not a high hermitage and we, we don't know exactly where he is. We have a couple of uh, suggestions, but we definitely know that he is, we think that he is being protected by Duran somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the water gardens is a possibility um, or even, even Sunspear, you know, I mean, in the book, they describe all those sort of tent cities being erected right under the castle, right? So, um, I mean, I think there's just a, there's a lot of places for him to be right now. Um, he could have gone into the, to the mountains, right? Where the, what there's the salty Dornish and then yeah. there's kind of the mountain Dornish who are a little bit more related to uh, the Andals and less Roynish. He could just kind of be hiding out somewhere there, you know? There's a lot of options. I mean, especially for someone who knows the area, right? And it's comfortable. He, you know, remember he even tells Ariane, hey, we better hurry up because the sun is rising. So not only does he know the area, he knows how to travel in Dorne, right? He knows when to ride, when not to ride, probably knows where sources of water is. Um, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of places for, for him to be. And he also is of a lesser Dane branch, right? He's the Danes of high hermitage. It's like being a Lannister, not of the rock, but of Lannisport, right? So he's also kind of he's been brought up as a noble, but he doesn't, he's not really giving much up by leaving, right? He's not in line to become the Sword of the Morning. Right. So what does he have to lose, right? For doing all of these things for Duran. He can only, this, this is his way, he, he, the way that he sees it, I think, is this is how he can make his own way. He can become, get, get the favor of the Prince of Dorne because otherwise he's just a minor Lord and it's, no one's really gonna care. I think it's a good career path for him. <laughs> <laughs> Brushing up on his, he got a CV ready to go to go to Torin. <laughs> Seriously, otherwise, you know, uh, how, how does the cadet branch move up otherwise, right? I mean, yeah. there's a boy lord, right? Edric Dane is, what, 12 or so? Yeah. So there's a boy lord. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense from Darkstar's perspective to work this closely with, with Doran um, as a way, like you said, to you know, increase his visibility. Maybe he gets a reward, more land, something, you know, in exchange for the... I think it's a mutually beneficial arrangement because Darkstar knows he'll be protected um, and Duran knows that he can throw him under the bus, right? So it may not be fully mutual. I definitely think Duran uh, benefits more uh, but it's very easy then if he does step in it, which is kind of what happened. Uh, if Duran is worried about the ire of the Iron Throne, then he can say, hey, man, it was this guy, Darkstar, you know, the most dangerous man in Dorne. Like, he's the perfect guy to to be this rebel who went off script, right? And who just attacked a child because he's of the night. <laughs> it just, it seems to, it seems too straightforward and stereotypical for George is kind of, I think, where I'm coming from yeah. is that he he like when we we hear a lot of this stuff about like with Jamie right everyone calls him the Kingslayer but in the end he saved King's Landing like what people think is not the reality in Westeros it just never is yeah agreed let me see just looking at some extra things 
Um, <laughs> I, um, you know, there's just like one or two sentences that say, you know, Oberyn, Oberyn says he was dangerous, but yet never got around to killing him. You know, so I think that if Oberyn thinks you're dangerous enough to warrant getting killed, right? He's going to just kill you. I think that I think that's another case for for you know why that Darkstar's reputation is the most dangerous being in Dorne, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say if you know, as we posit, they're working Dorne and Darkstar are working together. Um, you know, I think this is risky. This is most certainly riskier for Dorne than it was working with his brother, right? Definitely. This, yeah. So it, so it is riskier. Um, but you know but i think his desperation is something that a lot of people underestimate um he's yeah. and he's so unsure of the future of his house too so yeah. he also kind of wants to i think he wants to go out with a bang quite frankly and when you look at no i think you have a point he he may want to go out with a bang you know he's i, I mean you get the impression he's running out of time because you know i think you said this earlier but his you know gout is so much worse even even in the book, you know, where he's in that litter going to Sunspear from the Water Garden, I think he's reflecting on, you know, maybe a year before, you know, he wouldn't have need to go, to have traveled in a litter, right? Because he wasn't quite as gouty or quite as swollen or quite as sick. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I also see him a little bit, uh, you know, uh, George likes to use this uh, fruit imagery. Um, check out my essay on peaches. Plug, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> uh, but he also looks at oranges, right? The blood oranges are rotting and then falling down. That is Durand. He is rotting and one day he will fall and there will be nothing left for him. So he's trying to do something before that happens. I think, I think that you're right. And, um, you know, uh, looking at sort of the feel, like, like you know, if, if we posit that, Doran wants to recreate this sword, sword shield relationship again, right? Who's he going to pick from the bench, right? There's the Sand Snakes, who he seems genuinely, you know, sort of scared, paranoid, afraid of, slash wants to use, but carefully, you know, he seems to take that partially scared, but I want to work with them but carefully approach, you know, um, to, to like many of his relationships, right? And he doesn't seem entirely successful, but if you look at, you know, his bench of people, there's yeah. the same and then there's Dark Star, right? Um, I mean, those are his, those are his choices, right? For, for who's gonna be my new sword, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we can also, we can come back to any of these points, but I thought something interesting that we talked about is what did it make it in the essay? Because we're kind of like, is this too much tinfoil? I don't know. But I really like that we talked about our varies and Duran working together. Like yeah. when you mentioned that, it blew my mind because we kind of made a little list of Duran's goals and Varys' goals and they were kind of the same, right? They sound very similar. Yeah, so we've got a Targ, yeah. the Targ's coming back, right? Uh, he yeah. literally sent his son to try and marry one. 
Yeah. So there's that. And then there's also an unstable seven kingdoms that very said that he wants, he wants the, the seven kingdoms in chaos so that when young Griff comes, he'll be look like a savior. Well, you can do the same thing with Danny, right? She comes and she's married to a Martell and they've got this, um, kind of this reigniting of the, of the Roynish, um, Targ kind of, uh, sorry, the Roynar, um, Targ relationship. Right. And, you know, so they want the seven kingdoms in chaos. They want the Targs to come back. And I don't necessarily think Varys would be against Dorne being an independent kingdom. And I think that's what Duran wants. He wants it to be its own thing, separate from the Iron Throne. I, I'm with you. I mean, you know, they were the last kingdom to fall, right? To, to join the seven, if you will. So, you know, it does make sense that there is a lot of history there to suggest that they would want to be an independent kingdom yet again. But yeah, I mean, I, I know we didn't dive into this in our essay, but um, I feel like there is a lot of parallels between at least the approach of Varys, right? Like, you know, Varys and Illyrio sort of making their plans early on, you know, and then the plans go awry, right? Um, and they have to recalculate like the GPS, right? <laughs> It sounds a lot like it sounds a lot like what what Doran is doing. You know, they he you know, he seems to have been you know scheming and waiting for the right time for like so long, and then maybe all of a sudden, like at the end, he's realized um, it's sort of now or never, and he's you know got to seize the moment. It's never going to be the right time at this point, especially yeah. Yeah, we didn't really dive into that a whole lot. Um, nor did we really, you know, pull that thread of, you know, uh, who else is Oberyn training up besides the Sand Snake, you know, like, was he training Darkstar during this, during this, you know, training class that Oberyn was, you know, potentially running on, you yeah. know, how, how to be a Viper, you know, Red, Red Viper two-pointer <laughs> class. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I would, I would guess that, you know, Oberyn formed an opinion of Darkstar that I want to kill, that I need to kill this guy, right? That was his opinion, but he never yeah. got around doing it. So they must have interacted at, 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 at some point. Um, and it, you know, if you look at it like Barristan's training camp and Marine, like he's training up the next round of night for Danny. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Oberyn possibly was, you know, running the next sort of Red Viper training camp. I mean, he taught the Sand Snakes, right? How to use a whip, um, you know, how to use swords and spears and, you know, knives. Um, and I love that that was, I love that that was Dorne, because, like, what other kingdom besides, like, Bear Island, which is special, you know, just automatically assumes for girl, you're going to get all this warrior training, too, you know? So I love that about Dorn. Um, anyway. Yeah, I do. And you have um, Alara slash Sorella, right? Yeah. Having to do what she's got to do or what they have to do. Uh, Lo has a, they have a wonderful essay about how um, Sorella slash Alaris might just be non-binary. We assume that they're either a girl dressing up like a guy or trans. What if they're just non-binary? So uh, they, you know, Alaris slash 
a Sorella, it may not necessarily be a means to an end of why they're dressing that way. It might just be, look, I'm going to dress this way so that I can become a maester. And, you know, people are going to call me a guy because the Westeros is obsessed with the binary even more so than our contemporary world. It's like there is nothing but man or woman. Um, And so you have uh, there, you know, Sorella is one of those characters. And I think Oberyn is also one of those characters that says kind of screw the binary. Women can fight and men can be homemakers, you know, or both, whatever they want to do. Um, so I, I also appreciate that's another reason uh, of many that uh, Dorne is my favorite kingdom is because there is this different way to look at women. Um, but at the same time, something I'm going to talk about in my upcoming essay also with Lo uh, about Lysone Omar Ariana also is a little bit, even though she's sexually open and all of that, she's a little bit sexist herself when she sees Lysone Omar. She's like, oh, who's this guy that looks like a girl? Like she's a little bit too, you know, concerned with if you're, if you look like and act like a man or look and act like a a woman. So I don't want to give the Dornish necessarily too much credit, but I mean, compared to the rest of Restoros, I mean, you have to give them some credit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's preview for the upcoming Lysone Omar uh, essay that should be out next month uh, with Lowe. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that, that so this varies. Um, Duran thing, also, I think another parallel we can talk about is that Duran is seen as docile and because of his sickness as kind of, uh, he's kind of feminized as well and seen as not a man, whereas Varys, you know, uh, is a eunuch. And so he's also seen as feminized and seen as not a man and uh around January or February, I'm also, my God, I need to stop doing this to myself. I'm also going to have an essay out about Varys and his parallels with Chinese eunuchs. And in Chinese history, eunuchs were always mistrusted, always seen as basically, basically men turned into women and uh, they were really discounted. And then there's one time in Chinese history around the 1500s where a eunuch takes over the dynasty and rules China for about 20 years, which I'm going to write about. So it's like, mm, is this what Varys? Well, I don't know. Varys says like he wants to be the man behind the man, but I don't know. Um, the way that he knows the ta- secret tunnels under King's Landing and everything, I, I think that he might be uh, planning something a little bit more than just being the man behind the man. So I don't know. Anyway, that's for future essays. Uh, but yeah, this idea of uh, being being mis- um, kind of uh, underestimated, I think Varys is just like Duran in that way. Agreed. And, and, you know, you know, I feel like, you know, for our essay where we wanted to just sort of make our point and, you know, hit the road, there's just, there's, you know, so much, so much other, other things we could have explored and we, you know, almost explored, but um, didn't quite, I think one of our uh, earlier um, tinfoils was, is Darkstar a double agent? And does he also work for Varys. I know, right? It's like layers, like the onion, just layers upon layers. Because, I mean, look, it's total tinfoil. It's based on nothing. But, um, you know, it's another connection to Varys. Varys, you know, uses birds. We know that he has birds that, you know, you wouldn't expect or, or, you know, don't know about. So, I don't know. It's, It's an interesting question to ask if you because don't you just expect that there is a various agent like kind of in every court yeah you kind of have to assume uh and at any time you you see in the on the page where there's children just hanging about you're like "Mm, keep your eye on those those are his little birds right he uses he specifically uses 
people who are basically invisible and in Westeros children are very discounted unless they're noble children. It's like, whatever, it's like they're dogs on the street. They don't even really see them, right? Yeah. So, so I think Darkstar could be similarly one of these birds, right? We, we know that there are these children who have been maimed, who have gotten their tongue cut out, but we're just told that, you know, that those are his birds, but there could be other ones. It doesn't necessarily just have to be these children. So is oh my god now my brain is exploding is dark star now <laughs> I know um, it never ends I love it <laughs> also like my I thought at one point is the missing Lannister cousin down in Dorns <laughs> so bad. oh my god no and you also wonder like if Darkstar would want to look out for numero uno, which would be himself, right? Yeah. So to do that, wouldn't you want to have a plan B if this thing with Duran didn't work out? You want to kind of play both sides. Yeah, I think you would. Um, you know, and for all we know, maybe his plan B is, you know, Team Lannister. Um, doesn't make doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, but it's a plan, and yeah. it's you know it is an, an end game and other houses have done that right even even currently right there there are people that fight fight for stannis and fight for um you know other houses so that's not completely unheard of yeah um yeah but i'm glad that i'm glad that we didn't go too far down into some of our sort of like earlier earlier tinfoil um we didn't talk about poisoning or remember we I think in one of our early versions we had the or we talked about was the was the sword that um darks are used poisoned yes we oh my god I I'm so glad you brought this up because I've been obsessed with this since we've talked about it it's a question of what would be the perfect thing would be to have a little tiny gash and then send her back to King's Landing and there's a slow acting poison that she dies that it looks like she died from the wound not being taken care of, right? Infection. And then you can just be like, oh no, that she died from this infection. And it's not an exact that we killed her, right? Yeah. So we, we went down this whole road of like, what if it's a very, so we were like, I was like on Wiki Vice and Fire being like, how fast acting is this poison in world? And like, oh no, that one's too quick. Or, oh, this one has, can be found by a maester. Is there one that no maester can detect, right? So we were, and it's just because Dorne is known for poison. So because of that, anytime anyone dies, you've got to be suspicious of it. I think you do. Um, you know, it's probably been too long for the poison idea to have been effective. But That's kind of why we were like, eh, let's just take that out of the essay because people are going to say the timing, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's possible though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's also the idea of um, Tywin being poisoned, right? And that's why he his yeah. um his time on the toilet was so long and didn't smell it smelled even worse than usual let's put it that way i am totally down with that i so believe that yeah i mean the description of like his face on the beer you know like just corrupting and you know green and oozing and it's just so nasty right <laughs> yeah i'm totally i'm totally signed up for like over and poisoned him somehow yeah, I'm all in on that one. Yeah, this this is all the this is a uh, for for the listeners. This is all the tinfoil. You thought that our idea of Duran work and Darkstar working together was tinfoil. You have no idea where we were going in the in the beginning. 
Yeah. I mean, we pulled it back for the essay. I thought we did good for the essay, but you know, it's just, you know, anyone who, you know, is, you know, you start thinking about a theory and you could just, you know, go off into 20 different tinfoil directions. So. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. We could just keep going and, um, and it's, and yeah. it gets kind of out of control. Um, then we yeah. start getting to a couple of things I've heard in the fandom that are just crazy. Like, um, it's actually a sci-fi series and Storm's End is a spaceship. Like, I don't even, uh-huh. yeah, it's, that's, that was my look when I first watched that video. I was like, no, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, no, thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so these are all the things that didn't make it into the essay uh, that I thought were, was, was interesting. Uh, especially, I think, the question of if perhaps Varys and Duran are in some form of contact, no matter how minor, about what's going on it's pretty it's pretty tantalizing um because they you know they have they they do seem to have the same goal but just go about it differently but um you know as much as i as much as i really want that to be true i'm just not sure if it is but i think there's a lot of suggestion that it that it could be and then and then i was you know and then when you start thinking about it you're like well are they on the you know team dragon the same team dragon are they black dragon are they red dragon you know and then is it one side of target not the other because they both seem to just want any dragon you know but i'm going to leave that to other people to to muse on yeah um we can go back to any of this but i was just going to do the thing that my professors always ask me to do in my essays which is why what what is the what would this do to the overall story so yeah. i guess the main thing that we can address now is what would this do to a song of ice and fire if our theory panned out the dark star is working for duran i mean i think it does some of what we've already said which is you know allows doran to maintain his position as the grass right in this metaphor where he where Oberyn's the snake so he gets to repeat that he has a new oh gosh now he, now i'm gonna say he has a new snake <laughs> all right amy blackfire after dark <laughs> dark star right so it allows him to he's comfortable in that role or seems to be because he's done it for so long right so yeah. it just allows him to you know have a have a proxy um to you know physically do things that he cannot because he's stuck in a chair right um, and I think he's doing that with the other sand snakes, right? Sending sending them to to King's Landing, one to the you know take the small council seat, the other to um, I call it the church, you know, to to um, go spy on the church. Oh, uh, are you talking about an old town? The uh, no. Or are you uh, talking about Baylor's Sept? Yeah, Baylor's Sept. Gotcha. I just call. I just call it their church. The yeah. church. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, George has said very plainly that the, the faith of the seven is the Catholic church. So, right. You know, I think we can use that interchangeably. Um, <laughs> so we've done that before. And I think that, you know, so if we look at that as an example of what he could do and how this could, you know, affect the end game, you know, um, maybe he sends, you know, maybe he sends, Dark, could he, could he send Darkstar to King's Landing as a uh, 
because you know they may need a sword nearby right both both tyene and nim either one of them may need a sword nearby now undoubtedly they're going to go with guard right and probably some fighters but darkster does seem pretty skilled with the sword right so if you wanted like a if, if you wanted to send him i think you could it's risky because you know ostensibly marcella will be there right so he would need the blue hair dye he would need the tarushi here he would have to change his appearance a little and you know yeah. or or just stay in a brothel or <laughs> not come out much but yeah um, but he could but he could um i mean the other thing that i thought was you know could he go to essos and you know as another as a sort of follow-up to to denera yeah um i i mean i don't really think that that's likely because i think when they find out quentin is dead and, bur and burned they're just gonna discount i yeah. think he, i think that's more likely that he just discounts but you know and, and maybe it's too risky to send him to, you know, Storm's End or to Ariane, you know, in the winds of winter. I, but I think those are possible. Um, I know that there's a popular theory that, but you said, you mentioned earlier that he's going to steal Dawn. Yeah. You know, the, the sword of House Dane and bring it to like the Battle of Ice. I think that that's possible. I don't have any, um, I don't have any ideas yet on, you know, how would because because we're 100 percent right and no and of course we're right uh. <laughs> that doran and dark star are working together you know yeah i don't i don't know how that fits in with that premise and maybe it doesn't maybe doran is dead at that point um i yeah i don't see i think i don't see doran necessarily living for that much longer i don't think so either i think he yeah. has a year at the most um i also something that you were mentioning earlier about uh him physically not being able to do things uh we have this brand the broken right cripple ba cripples bastards and broken things george is very interested like Tyrion has dwarfism and he's uh you know still very powerful i think that george is very interested in this idea of the the ones that are seen as not whole right Tyrion's called the half man are actually the ones that are going to make the major changes in the story right yeah. so you know Bran and you have Bran and Tyrion uh and then you have Theon who's been um you know uh who's been maimed and then you have Varys who's also been you know been cut so you know so if we don't underestimate any of these characters, you know, we shouldn't underestimate Dorian either. Why would he do make all of these broken people strong? And Archmaester Emma has an excellent series on broken men. Why would George make all of these men strong? But then Duran is, oh, exactly who you think he is, right? So I think it's it's going in for, for what is it doing in A Song of Ice and Fire is it's giving you yet another example of broken men making a difference, right? Yeah. I also think something that's interesting is uh, that we also, it would change not just the way we see Duran, but the way we see Ariane. We just assume that this whole time she's been paranoid about Duran being this big schemer, boom. Like, you know, spoiler alert, he actually is this big schemer and Ariane was right the whole time to be suspicious of him. So that would also kind of flip the way that we see Ariane and Duran. We see, oh, Ariane, you're just paranoid. He's just, a, he's just a guy in a chair and he's just, 
you know, waiting out his last days in Dorne and, you know, enjoying the water gardens and seeing the children play, right? Or actually he's kind of a scheming guy who is willing to sacrifice people. And Ariane was right to be worried about him, you know, yeah. trying to trying to um, usurp her claim, right? Yeah, I, I, I love that idea of, of, you know, other people sort of stepping in and, you know, acting as proxy assisting people who are either broken, maimed, or otherwise can't do the physical thing for themselves, right? I think that's that's a beautiful idea. Um, I think Doran's challenge with that is that he's been, he's trying to have it both ways, right? Because he's trying to, you know, when you want to outwardly project that I'm in a guy in a wheelchair with gout and all I do is stare at the children in the water gardens all day, no one is going to think that you're an active player, right? So that's like the image that he's trying to project. And then when he wants to go and get these other people to work with him who can do the physical things that he cannot, you know, he has trouble at first. They seem to do come around at the end because they're like, yes, finally, you know, I'll go to King's Landing. I'll go to the spy in the church. I'll, you know, I'll go to Clinton says, I'll go to Esso. So he does sort of get there in the end, but it's like that that well is poisoned with so many years of like, you know, there's so much frustration by the sand snakes, by his children, by everybody else, because all they've perceived from Doran for so many years is the guy who sits in the chair watching the children, not the not the schemer. That's his, you know, I think those are like some of the broadest points that we've made today was that, you know, you know, he's he really is you know, he's he's maybe playing that part of being the grass, hiding the snake too well. Yeah, because it's been completely bought by the entire fandom. Other than you, pretty much everyone I've talked to totally buys Durant. And so I was so refreshing when I was when we were talking about this that we were going, no, I think there's something going on with Duran, right? We have and just think about it. We have Danny going, oh, I am a young girl who is unfamiliar with the ways of war. We know because we have her POV. That's not true. So right. maybe if we had Duran's POV, people would give him a little bit more credit, but we don't, so. Yeah, um, but the only other thought I had for like where this goes in the future was, you know, um, when we were talking earlier about, you know, the Obara and Balin Swan slash Darkstar happenings in the future, um, you know, I think Doran's advantage is the geography of Dorn is, or doesn't appear to be super well known by a lot of people, right? There doesn't seem to be like the Riverlands, right? It would kind of be harder, you know, because more people travel through it, right? It's literally in the middle of the country. Um, and so, you know, if Dark Star and Obara end up either killing Balin Swan or killing him on accident or what have you, you know, they could essentially tell any tale that they like about They can control the narrative because they're so isolated from the rest of, of the continent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so they can, they can, same they can, thing with Beyond the Wall, right? Absolutely. You can make the same argument there is that like, you know, for example, um, you know, like John's 
what he did there, right? He could have just come back and said, no, nah, I didn't sleep with Egret. What are you talking about? Right. He's, he's honest about it, but he could have just been like, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't sleep with this wildling. Right. But he, inst he's, you know, honest about it, but you know, they could do the same thing. I'm like, no, I was totally against dark star. I tried to stop him. I don't know what he was doing. Right. You can, and with Balon Swan, right. You he can just act meet an accident, right. Have an accident. And it's like, Oh no, he fell off the sand dune. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know that I'm, I, I mean, I do like the theory of, so if you think about Darkstar, like then, then what does he do? You know, I like him to go to Starfall and like Steel Dawn. Um, and, you know, maybe Dorian is dead at that point. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just you know something that he does independently he seems fascinated by it right because Ari Zokar says and this is a great quote that you pulled which was that oh he was a great knight and Darkstar said he had a great sword right so there's this idea of like hey man if I just had the sword then I would be a great man according to other people right you can convince people you you can basically alter your reputation with Dawn so I think he's obsessed with it not just because it's in his family, but also because he's been looked at so negatively. And like he says that one quote that I mentioned earlier, he's like, hey, if I were to kill 10,000 enemies or whatever, I'd be I'd be a war hero, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely something going on there with Dawn. And you know, yeah. if it is truly Lightbringer, then it's gotta get to the North somehow to defeat the others if it's gonna be an end game thing. And I just, I, I don't necessarily think that, and George has said that that's his favorite sword. It'd just be really surprising if it just stays down in Starfall and never moves, right? Yeah, I, so, I went, um, I'm with you. I think that absolutely could happen because I, I think Darkstar has sort of, you can tell that he has a, a complex about the sword. It's not, it's not his. And that's a legendary sword. Oh, right? men having a complex about their swords, that never happens. Mm, the phallic and little phallic imagery there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And of such a legendary sword, right? So you, so him stealing it or, or taking it, borrowing it, I'm going to take it to Lord Edric, whatever. Um, I could I could see that happening. And I love I love that idea of it getting to the North somehow to help in the um you know battle of ice. So we'll see. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> um okay, so let's uh wrap up with some final thoughts. Is there anything that you haven't said that you think needs to be out there in, in the YouTube verse? I can't wait to read all of your new things. <laughs> Thank you. You're so sweet. And those of you that if you're watching for the first time, I also read them to you on my channel. So you never have to read a word if you don't want to, you can do it audiobook style. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, now I'm starting to have people on my channel to actually talk about it. So that's, that's very exciting. New things coming, going mm -hmm. on my own in my channel. So. Oh good, that's exciting. Yeah, you're my uh, second guest kind of panel thing going on. And yeah, I'm gonna have Lo on, I'm gonna have Rohan on to talk about uh, Cersei. I'm gonna have Bronsteries on next year. So yeah, I'm really excited to have all of these. Uh, and for those of you who haven't seen it, I had an amazing first panel with my co-author for my uh, last essay, All Hail the Night's Queen. And we had Archmaester Emma and uh, Crowfood's daughter from uh, the Disputed Lands on. And that was an amazing panel. We were talking about the shade of the evening trees. <gasps> Awesome. I can't wait to see that. That sounds incredible. 
yeah, it's 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 been out for a couple of weeks. It's about two hours long, but I think it's it's definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, Julie, so anything else you wanted to say about this? And my second question, you want to yeah. maybe give a little preview of what we're working on next? I don't know no. if you want to keep it on the DL or what. No. Let's just say this, Jon Snow, you are pissing me off. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do a dear Jon Snow letter. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to kind of let him know how we feel. <laughs> He's really ticking me off right now. I know you and I have very similar um, views about Jon. I think we're going to have a good time writing that essay. Yes. So yeah, we have a future Jon Snow essay coming. I'm excited to collab with you again. And this time we'll have it planned out where I read the essay and we discuss it in the same video since now I'm, I'm doing that uh, more often. So look forward to that. That's definitely gonna be 2021 because as you've heard, I'm quite booked for the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be sometime in the uh, 2021 uh, winter or spring. So you guys look forward to seeing more of this lovely lady on my channel. So I'm very excited for that. Thank you so much, Amy. It was so nice to come on. I am obsessed with Dark Star now, thanks to you. So <laughs> I can't stop thinking about that that crazy of the night man. Uh, I and I've been reading all the Dornish chapters with a completely different view now. I'm very suspicious of everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. I think we there's just more going on in Dorn is what we're basically saying with this essay is that it's it's so everyone's so and I I for good reason obsessed with the northern plot obsessed with Danny over Nessos uh, obsessed yeah. with the Iron Islands but we're saying that Dorn is maybe a place that deserves a second third and fourth look. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Well, great. If you're done, then thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Amy. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening, what I have coming up next is going to be um, that uh, Lysono Mar essay, as well as um, and my first His Dark Materials essay. So stay tuned for that. Hit that Love subscribe, it. like, comment, and follow me on Twitter. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.